One of the things that happens when we begin to talk pointedly to men, something mysteriously happens to all the women. There, there's a reflex that happens, not unlike the reflex that occurs when you're getting a checkup from the doctor. Do you guys remember as a child when they would hit your knee and your leg would move up just instinctively? You know, it hit your knee, your leg would go up. Well, something instinctively happens to a woman during a series pointed at men. When a point really hits home and it's really good, somehow their elbow just goes like this. So guys, I'm sorry that you've had so many bruises on your arms this, this particular sermon series. But in all seriousness, I was thinking about this reality that often we hear messages related to men and it's easy to become judgmental. And I want to encourage all of the ladies in here and the children and the teenagers to not use the points that are made about men as weapons to attack your father or your grandfather or your husband. Let them be prayer points because nobody has this stuff all together. No man, no guy has it all together. And we need encouragement. We need prayer. We need support. And often what happens is when we hear a truth and we think, wow, this would be so good for my husband, so good for my dad, so good for my grandfather or even my male son. And we try to give that truth and change the person. We forget something that there's only one person that has the ability to change a man's heart, and that's Jesus Christ by the work of the Holy Spirit. Through centuries, women have tried to change men, and it just hasn't worked out. But God can change a man's heart. So let's not be judgmental. Let's be helpful. Let's be encouraging. Uh, let's, let's hold up this value that God wants to use men in a powerful way. Now, the scripture we're going to look at today just to be truthful to you, uh, applies equally to females. There's no doubt about that. But I'm going to continue to preach to the men to kind of close up this series. And we'll bounce back into Isaiah next Sunday. And I'm looking forward to finishing up some scriptures there. But Proverbs 27:17 is a classic verse. It's our key verse today. And it is so classic that those in culture who don't even know it's the scripture will quote this proverb are this wise saying, and they'll do so as part of cultural vernacular without even realizing it is the word of God. Now, before we read the scripture, let me just say this. Today's message on first glance may not appear to be this unusually deep and effective message. It, it may not be, be on first look uh, seem like a message that you've never heard before. I don't have a deep revelation that that no one else has ever seen or a nugget in the scripture that is going to make you think, wow, how did he find that? Man, that guy's good. Nothing like that. This is simple, basic stuff. But here's the deal. This message, guys, has more potential to create a better future for you in five years, 10 years, 15 years than any message I could imagine today. And here's the reason why. Basic wisdom, something you've told your children, something you've told you know, students you've worked with is this. Your future is determined by your friends today. 
Your future is determined by who you spend time with. Your future is determined by those you spend leisurely, unguarded time with. I want you to realize this today because the enemy wants you to dismiss this truth or to make you think that it doesn't really apply to you or to make you think that you're going to be the one that beats the system on this. But the truth is this, our futures are determined by those we spend time with. And you're going to see that clearly from the scripture today. Now here's what Proverbs 27, 17 says. Iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. Another way to paraphrase this would be this way. In the same way, iron sharpens iron. So one man affects another man. Now this scripture, for those who read it, and subsequent generations for hundreds and hundreds of years, and, and probably until maybe the last 80 to 100 years. This was a very, very easy metaphor to grasp. Because at most kitchen tables around the world, someone would sit at the table, and maybe the most likely the head of the family, and would take knives and would take them up against a little iron rod with fine glitches in it. And somewhere before the mill or during the mill would physically strike the knife against this rod piece of iron. And that metal upon metal would keep the utensil sharp, would keep the utensil useful. Uh, there, there wasn't access to, to instruments and knives and things that we have. Instead, this tool had to be maintained. And so when people first heard this proverb or they first read this on the scripture, they're imagining dinner last night. They're imagining breakfast this morning. As iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another man. Now, guys, we have a tendency to get isolated and we have a tendency to stay alone. And we have a tendency not to engage in other healthy relationships with other men, especially when we are in the prime of life, when life is busy and activity abounds and there's just not time to carve out time to hang out with other guys. But that's not really instinctive. I want to give you some scientific proof why men like to hang out together. Here's the scientific proof. In every small town in America, I have seen something take place in Kansas, in Eastern Kentucky, in California, in Texas. In every small town, there may be lots of different aspects about that town, but one thing is in common. Between the hours of 5.30 a.m. and 7 a.m., there is a group of elderly men having coffee somewhere. It might be the McDonald's, it might be the grocery store, it might be Joe's Coffee Shop that's been open since 1962, but you can find them. Elderly men who are retired like to hang out and sip coffee and solve the problems of the world. Once their immediate responsibilities of raising kids and working on farms and taking business trips are over, guys instinctively are drawn together. Guys want to hang out. Guys want to spend time together. But in the busy era of life, and when life is at its 
highest RPMs, taking time to spend time with other guys is just really difficult. And it sometimes feels counterintuitive. It feels like a waste of time. It feels like it's going to slow us down. And then we begin to buy into the lie, the pride that we can handle things on our own. We've got this covered. We don't need advice. We don't need help. We don't need interaction. It's just us all by ourselves with our own wisdom and our own ability. You're not going to be sharpened if you don't connect with other men. That's why that's why I want you to write this first point down. You're going to see it on the review. It's right there in you version is this. We need contact with godly men. Guys, we need to connect. We need to have contact with men who have the similar values that we have. We need to spend time with other men who understand the power of the gospel and the power of the word, who understand the values we need to have as leaders in our home and in our life. Yet the very thing we need, the very thing we instinctively end up doing when we retire, we, we, we resist at the most crucial time of our life. Can I tell you guys, you need other godly men in your life because if you're not connecting with other godly men, you're not gonna be as sharp and effective and the tool that God wants you to be. It's in isolation. It's in those times when we have no input into our life, when we have no voice in our life. Those are the times when we can be vulnerable and we can be exposed and the enemy can take us down a path that we never wanted to go. One of the problems is this. Instead of pursuing healthy, Christ-exalting, Jesus-centered relationships, and when I say that, let me just make a disclaimer. That doesn't mean you can't talk about sports and cars and the news and politics and stuff guys talk about. But with those subjects, there needs to be a common thread of godly values. A, a, a common thread of godly values, especially when you're in an unguarded moment. Now, this is not an evangelism sermon, so I'm not talking about how we reach the world for Christ. That's a whole other sermon. This is, this is a teaching discipleship sermon. And when you're stressed out, when you have some anxiety in your life, when you feel vulnerable, when, when, you, when you are sick in your body and you drop your guard, the other men in your life, guys, need to be those who share your values. Choose wisely your friends. Just because someone is funny or they share a hobby with you or someone uh, seems important in the city or important in your company doesn't mean you need to spend unguarded time with them and not be aware of their influence. This comes, becomes crystal clear here in Proverbs 23. Here's another Proverbs. It says it this way. 22, excuse me. Make no friendships with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. Look at those words in verse 25, lest you learn his ways. Do you know it's possible to intellectually disagree with someone's choices or lifestyle, but to pick up those patterns of behavior simply by spending time with them. So it's possible that you can look at someone else in your life and say, yeah, they are, 
dishonest and they lack character and they're a deceiver, but they're just fun to hang out with. And even though you intellectually disagree with them and intellectually recognize that there's a distance in your values, you will pick up their behavior. You will pick up their character by spending time with them in an excessive way. Look at this warning to you today. Make no friendships with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20 echoes this. It says it this way, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. The people you choose to spend time with, do they make you stronger intellectually? Do they make you love the Lord more? Do they challenge you? Do they make your thoughts become greater and higher? Do you leave time with your, with your friends and feel like you are a, a better person, that you love your wife more, that you're more dedicated to your kids, that you're more faithful to your church, that you're pursuing your caller, calling greater because you're spending time with this particular person. That's the type of friend God wants you to have. Those who walk with the wise will become wiser. The, the corresponding truth is true. Those who walk with the foolish are going to become more foolish. Guys, this is the scripture. This is true stuff. This is stuff you need to be reminded of today. This is stuff that if I gave you a Sunday school quarterly, you could regurgitate this stuff and you could have taught this to, to Sunday school class, but you need to hear it by the spirit today because you aren't going to beat the system. Don't think that you're going to be the one that can beat the system. You're going to be the one who can handle it. You're going to be the one who can run around with whoever you want to and whoever you prefer. And there's going to be disconnection with your character. When Paul was writing the church at Corinth, he, he quoted to them a slogan that they knew that was popular with the warning. It's in 1 Corinthians 15, 33. This is not in your notes, so you're going to want to write this reference down. Paul wrote this, don't be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Teenagers, listen, this is something you can't get around. Bad company ruins good morals. Your parents, your grandparents, this church, if we put the word of God in you and teach you right from wrong, all of that's negated if you spend an unreasonable amount of time with people who don't have character. Even if you know what you're doing is wrong, your actions will be something else. You can't get around that. You are influenced by relationship. You're influenced by your friends. Now, adults, this doesn't stop when we turn 21, okay? That is a myth to think that relationships don't affect us as adults. Nonsense. This is one of the reasons why divorce often runs in groups, statistically. Groups of friends often will get divorced Simultaneously, groups of friends who have long-term marriages, that will often happen as a group. Why? Because the social pressures to stay together or the approval of abandoning the marriage often run in circles. Adultery often runs in circles because men, they have what back in the day they would call the wingman, the guy who kind of winks and nods and says, yeah, I understand. I understand. It's no big deal. I understand you got a lot of pressure in work. Yeah, go home a little bit later or, or let, let's go to the bar or let's, let's, 
Let's together flirt with those two ladies over there. These things happen. These things happen in circles. They happen in influence. Those in your life will either wink at your sin or challenge your sin. It's one or the other. And, and this happens within Christianity too. Those who claim to be Christians, who don't have a strong moral ethic, that don't have a call to holiness, they will justify your sin, wink at your sin. They'll, they'll uh, not judge you harshly. And that lack of character in someone that you spend a lot of time with can affect your moral behavior. When it comes to stealing, when it comes to, to cutting corners and embezzling money, there are those who will tell you, well, your company underpays you anyway. You're, you're underappreciated anyway. Just It's no big deal. They deserve that. Go ahead and take that extra money. Go, go ahead and hide that expense report. See, these are things that people with bad character will excuse in your life. Substance abuse. People who will overlook that and people who will participate that with that uh, substance abuse with you. Can I just tell you guys, this is what you need to do. Go home after work. Be a husband, be a dad, coach Little League, cut the lawn, fix the leaky faucet, quit messing around and doing stupid stuff. Do what you're supposed to do and hang out with people who have those same type of values. If we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, when we're supposed to be doing it, we shouldn't have time to sin. We should be at the place God's called us to be. But so often... So often we're in contact with the wrong people. Because we're in contact with the wrong people, it affects our morals and it affects our character. Now, one of the problems we have, guys, is that we do not like to be corrected. Would you all agree that, guys, we don't like to be corrected? Now, here's some more scientific proof. If you've ever been driving and you forget to put your blinker on, and you go into the next lane and you nearly kill a man and his family because you're not abiding by the laws and not paying attention. And, and that man responds with a facial expression, a hand gesture, our lip syncs, a word that uh, would have been bleeped out on TV. And all of a sudden, you, as a mighty man of God, get so angry and I know this is the place where a man is the most bold and the most tough is when they're stuck in a two-ton piece of, piece of iron known as a car. It's amazing how tough we get then, right, guys? And we're like, we get facial expressions, and, and we're ready to fight. We're ready, we're ready to squabble because we're on the highway in the car. But we don't like to be corrected. I mean, guys, we don't like to be corrected. And here's one of the problems with Proverbs 17.27 or 27.17 is... The reason we don't connect with other men, the reason we don't uh, spend time with other men is because we don't want the friction. Here's the second word. Because for iron to sharpen iron, there's going to be friction. If you are around another godly man, man, there's going to be times when they are going to lovingly confront you with the truth. And guys, sometimes it doesn't feel good. But I'm here to remind you that if you don't have a friend who will challenge you when you're doing something stupid or will challenge you when your character is out of line, then that friendship is only based off a hobby or a joke. It's not based off truth. A friendship that is based off truth has your best interest in mind. And those type of friendships sometimes can cause friction because they're going to challenge you. They're going to challenge your thought process. They're going to challenge your behavior. They're going to challenge your character. 
Proverbs 27, verse 5 and 6 says it this way. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. If you really love somebody, then you are going to buy the Holy Spirit's direction. And with his love, with a spirit of kindness, you are going to confront that person to the truth, no matter what the consequence of the relationship is. Some of us were so scared of losing a friendship that we're not truly loving the friend we're scared of losing because we don't want to tell them the truth. Now, I understand this is a very delicate issue and it takes diplomacy and it takes some social intelligence. It takes some wisdom. It takes some tact. It even takes the right tone of voice. So please, I do not want everyone to start texting and telling off a friend right now or uh, to go home and to hit the cell phone and just say, I've got to tell you the truth, blah, and just blurt it out. There, there needs to be prayer, diplomacy. There needs to be a, a, a sense of awareness of your friend's need. Timing is everything. That's why we need the Holy Spirit's direction. But better is an open rebuke than hidden love. You're not really a friend until you can confront someone. A couple of years ago, I had a friend of mine that uh, is very close. I don't really, I'm not really able to describe how we're close because someone somewhere might put all this together and figure out who it is. But I'll just say this. I could not imagine having more shared life experiences with someone than this particular friend. And I recognized something in his life and I felt like delicately and almost in a passing way and in a loving way, mentioned a concern to him. And after that, uh, he quit calling me, he quit returning my calls, he quit returning my texts. And as time unfolded, uh, I found out through a third party that he was no longer interested in talking to me because, quote, I just preached to him all the time and that uh, he, he didn't want to be preached at. Which, if you know me, the only time I preach is when I have a microphone. Other than that, I'm pretty chilled out. Uh, so that was disappointing. I felt like my motives were, were certainly um, judged. And it was disappointing that a long-term friendship was over. But I didn't really regret what I said because I knew I said it with the right heart. And I even felt like I said it with the right technique. Well, unfortunately... As time has unfolded, this particular concern ended up being a fact and it's caused this individual's life to spiral to a very, very dark place. Since that time, in recent days, he's reached out to me and contacted me again. And now that he's at a very, very dark place, I'm able to have interaction with him. The friendship's been preserved. The friendship was real. Let me tell you why the friendship was real. It was based off truth. See, friends are going to come in and out of your life, especially if it's just based off emotion, based off preference, based off a hobby. But if friendship is based off the truth of God's word, that friendship can last. Now, in the Psalms, I believe it was David who wrote this particular Psalm, but Psalm 141, look at this, this prayer. It's just just so powerful. Psalms 141 verse 5 says, let a righteous man strike me. It is a kindness. Let him rebuke me. It is oil for my head. Let my head not refuse it. What a powerful prayer. I don't remember ever reading that until my studies this week. 
Let a righteous man strike me. It is a kindness. Let him rebuke me. It is oil for my head. Let my head not refuse it. Guys, we have to be moldable, teachable. We, we have to embrace the friction that comes from spiritual truth because none of us are above correction. None of us are above correction. We all do things in the wrong spirit. We all do things in the wrong attitude. I'm thinking of something right now that I did this week, and I almost told you, but then I thought that'll just take us down the path. We shouldn't go. But just yesterday, just yesterday morning, there's something that, that did not represent the servant attitude that Christ wanted to have. And I needed some correction, and the Lord brought that through my wife. But he brought it, he could have brought it through another man too, because she was right. And this applies, this applies to both genders. So here it is. The friction, the conflict, the uncomfortable part of it is part of God working through us and God making us who he wants us to be. I remember going to a professional meeting, met with a group of men. And at this particular meeting, um, it was full of criticism. It was very small conversation. It was very low-level politics. Uh, this particular meeting, there was not discussion on progress and moving forward and high ideals. It was um, attacking people's character and trying to belittle other people in the eyes of the group. I'm sorry to tell you that that professional meeting had something to do with my profession, which is the ministry, and may have had something to do with a group of pastors. See, we're not immune from that. I left that meeting and like a heaviness or a cloud came over me as I was driving home. My mind felt dull. My thoughts didn't seem clear. I felt like mentally and spiritually, I had just got dirty really. And there was nothing life-giving. There was nothing pushing me on to something greater in my life. And I ended up not going back to those particular meetings anymore. The last word I want us to look at is this, is the word sharpening. And it brings this question, are your relationships sharpening you? Or when you spend time with certain people in your life, does it make your mind more dull? You see, the word of God is a sharp instrument and it cuts it divides right and wrong in our life. It divides, divides good and evil. It divides truth and lies. And the relationships that we have in the area of discipleship, not evangelism, should be relationships that cut the wrong things out of our life and leave the things that glorify God. My story is a warning to you that even among those who profess to be Christians, there still has to be some differentiation with their attitude. Even those in the ministry. Honestly, I hate to say this, even those here at the church, just because someone goes to church here doesn't mean that relationship is healthy for you. I think that the odds go up quite a bit. That's why 242 is important and men's Bible study and women's Bible study and Awana and youth ministry because the odds of finding healthy relationships go way up in God's house. But even then, you have to have a discerning heart. 
Because just because they go to church, just because they're a Christian, doesn't mean they're right for you. And so it is that the question deserves to be answered. Are your relationships sharpening you? Are they making you love God more? Are they making you love your family more? Are they making you love your church more? Are they making you more excited about the things of God? Are the relationships in your life making you more drawn towards truth? Or are you getting dull? Are those relationships like a heaviness? Do you leave conversations and meals and interactions with like a cloud over you and you, a burden over you? And you know it's not of the God's will. For some reason, sometimes we are attracted to people even when they're not good to us. And so we have to let God's truth and the Holy Spirit's truth be that which divides that which is good and that which is bad. Let's pray together about this. Come on, join me in prayer. I feel like today is a very important day for somebody in here, somebody's. Right now, some of you know right now you have to change a relationship. It doesn't mean you have to make a dramatic step now unless the Holy Spirit tells you. Maybe you just need to pull out and pull back and reduce the influence of that somebody in your life. But right now, you don't need to consult this with the spouse or talk about it or overanalyze it. You just need to make a decision right now to pull out of that relationship. Make a decision right now. I mean, now's the time to make that decision. It's not complicated. You know that friendship, that relationship is not good for you. I don't know how this applies. This goes beyond just to our men now. Ladies, I want you to keep sensitive to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is talking to some of you ladies right now. It's time to change the dynamics of that relationship. And I want to say this very pointedly to some of you. Some of you are being influenced because you believe the person who's a negative influence to you is actually the key to a better life. You think you're going to get a promotion or you're going to get recognized or get more money or they're the key. Can I just tell you, they are not the key. Your God is the key. Your God is a promoter. Your God is the one who will open the doors. And every time you close the door to a destructive relationship in your life, you can't see it now. But on the other side of that door, God has something much, much better. God has new open doors, open doors that you may not be able to see now, but you have to trust that his ways are better. His truth is leading you forward. His truth is establishing you. So don't be scared of the ramifications. Don't be scared of the choices. Now, I must tell you, let the Holy Spirit lead you. Don't let Aaron lead you through this message. Let the Holy Spirit lead you because timing is important. Sensitivity is important. But the Holy Spirit is your teacher and your counselor and your leader and he won't steer you wrong and he won't hurt you. So make the decision right now. The service is about to end. I want you to make the decision right now. Make that decision right now. I'm changing that relationship in Jesus' name.